You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Preaching from the Grave, Episode 2, with Fodidas Ndamemugabe. Good afternoon, everyone. It's my pleasure to be here once again. I want to thank God for your presence as well. There's one thing I always say before I say something, as I preach or share my testimony. It's that there is no such a thing as a coincidence when it comes to God's matters. God makes a way, he prepares a time and opportunity for us to be able to listen to him as he speaks. Amen? Amen. And so I believe right now the fact that I'm here and you are here it is because it's God's plan. And I want to thank God for that. So uh, this morning I talked about preparation for the final crisis. And the passage was in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 through 31. The uh, verse that tells us that anyone else can fail, but not God's people. Amen? Now, you know, problems will occur and we will be sick like anyone can get sick. We will have problems like anyone. But that can only happen if it can give glory to God. And if that is God's will, then it's okay because we know that uh, problems are not problems when you are with God. And, uh, you know, people will complain, but when you see God... Paul reached the time when he said, no, to me, death is a gain. Amen? For him, he didn't see it as a problem because he was ready to rest. So I may have what others may see as a problem, but as long as I'm with God, that is not a problem. It's a solution. It's an answer. Amen? And so what I'm talking about is, you know, in your plans, you, you, you can fail. But those who trust in the Lord will never fail. Amen? And uh, uh, we said we are just in danger as the people of Rwanda were in danger. Of course, that was an ethnic problem. But our problem is not ethnic. The devil will use all kinds of problems. He attacks you with just whatever problems he finds can actually make you fail, right? In Rwanda, it was ethnic problems. But in America, it's probably something else. In Canada, it's something else, isn't it? And uh, as a church of God, we know in a special way that we are going through uh, the most terrible time ahead of us, the time of trial, of trouble uh, for the church of God, where we'll be required to stand firm or to give up our faith. And before I move forward, allow me to kneel down and pray again. Heavenly Father, this is such a great time, and I pray once again that as I stand to speak to your people, you yourself will come and speak to our hearts. May you bless us, Father. May you help us to be able to see you through this testimony. It's not about a testimony. It's about you. Come and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, yeah, I said that in prayer, but... uh, Sometimes we talk about a testimony, but I'm not talking about myself. 
it's not that I went through the genocide and then I survived. Then what about the more than a million people who died? And some of them were good people. Amen? Amen. I'm not probably as good as them. Let me tell you, the, 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 the reason of our being, the reason why we are here today, it is not for us to eat and drink. It's not for us to have children and bring them up. And No, it's not for us to enjoy life. It is God's glory. So if I survived, it wasn't for me to, oh no, I'm now, well, I was still young. I was 24 years old. And uh, after that, I finished my college, I finished my master's, I finished my PhD. But what is that? You get a PhD, then you die the next day, isn't it? You have a lot of money, the next morning you are not there. The money is left behind, isn't it? What is that? And there are people who lived before us and we are also passing by. So the issue is not about me. I survived. No, it is about God. Amen? Amen. I want to talk about God and, and, and I want us to be able to see God. And this is a God who is not limited to this life. This is a God who is here today. He was there, he's here, and he's going to be there. And those who believe in him will be there too. Amen? Amen. So... Uh, I was saying the church is the object of Satan's attack. Now, when I talk about the genocide, please, it's not about just Rwanda because it happened everywhere. It's not that there is a group of people who are bad. We are all naturally bad. The other, in the morning I told you, it's, sin has no ethnicity. It doesn't have any skin color. Sin is inherent to mankind ever since we accepted it, isn't it? And uh, spirituality also has no skin color. You can be a man of God regardless of where you come from. Amen? And I praise God for this. Because the genocide didn't only take place in Rwanda. By the way, you would say that uh, 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 actually even in, when Cain, he, he killed his brother, isn't it? And they were from the same mother's womb and uh, you have the genocide against the, the 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 jews in 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 europe where more than five million six million people were killed within five years rwanda genocide was the fastest because within a hundred days only more than a million around a million two hundred were killed only a hundred days and that is because these were almost the only people tutsis in rwanda very few survived. You, you can imagine. So they would have killed even the six millions within a hundred days if they were there. Right? And you also had the, 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 the Assyrian genocide. More than 150,000 were killed. The Armenian massacres, more than 700,000. And the Cambodian, more than a million four hundred people were killed. Which means, actually, uh, Tutsis and Hutus, it's not unique. We are only saying, no, Satan, whenever you give a room to him, he will come. And he will use you, whoever, regardless of who you are, isn't it? Even you against your own sister, you against your own brother, you against your children or your parents. It happens. And so what makes the difference, once again, as I said, it is actually you only need to be rooted in God. Amen? And how do we get prepared enough to be in God? 
It is actually through the study of the word of God. That's what I said. There's no other formula. You know, you know we, we keep talking about spiritual life, spiritual growth. You know, it is not something that we fall from heaven and then comes in, yeah, I'm a man of God. Let me tell you, it's not something that comes, it just comes because one day you found yourself here and then you find yourself, oh, I'm now okay. No, it is something that you learn to live for. You live in Jesus. And how do you live in Jesus? You know, John chapter 14, 15, verse 4, what does it say? It says, if you remain in me and I remain in you. And how do we remain in Jesus? Through his word, amen? That is one of the ways. The three ways, the prayer is another way. And I won't talk about prayer right now. I won't talk about prayer. Of course, I have been talking about prayer, but Martin Luther says to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Is there anyone who can say that without breathing I can still be alive? You just decide, say, no, I'm not going to breathe anymore. From now on, then your life has ended, isn't it? And so if you say no prayer, no spiritual life, no Christianity. If you say I'm not praying, no. And the prayer I'm talking about, it is not whereby you say, yeah, 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 we pray, let's pray. And most of us, you know, sometimes we are even too lazy. There is no time because, uh, yeah, I, after all, it's very short, isn't it? So one knee is enough. Is it? Because after all, I'm not going to stay there long. You just, just, just one knee, Lord, in, in, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you take care of us. Are you serious? You are talking to God? Yeah, I'm not saying all prayers should be 10 minutes. No. I'm not saying all prayers should be one hour. I'm simply saying prayer should be something serious. Whereby you are talking to God and you know God is there. Because sometimes we talk to a God who is not there. To the point that one may ask you, after you have prayed, say, what did you pray for? And then you say, what did you pray for? I don't remember. Because you weren't serious about your prayer. You don't even remember what you said. No, I'm talking about praying as you've, a lot of quotes, you can go to Ellen G. White writings, she said a lot about prayer, but allow me to tell you, Ellen G. White says that in the last days, she saw a group of Christians, believers, who, the devil will intensify his attacks against the church of God, against you and I. And only those who will survive will only be those who are praying. Amen? If you don't have a prayer life, then there's no survival. Because we can't stand by ourselves. And I'm talking about the time you withdraw, you go to your room, you go to your living room, you go to your wherever, your garden, wherever, you kneel and you pray and you talk to God. Now, we've got to link up with God as to a friend. Amen? And so she says, evil angels, she saw evil angels crowding around, pressing darkness upon them to shut out Jesus from their view, that their eyes might be drawn to the darkness that surrounded them. And uh, then, at the same time, angels of God had charge over his people. Amen? Can we say amen for that? When the evil angels are surrounding us, seeking to destroy us and to divert our minds from Jesus, the angels from God have in charge of those people of God. And as the poisonous atmosphere of evil angels was pressed around these anxious ones, the heavenly angels were continually wafting their wings over them to scatter the thick darkness. 
And as the praying one continued their earnest cries, at times a ray of light from Jesus came to them to encourage their hearts and light up, and light up their countenance. But, she says, some I saw did not participate in this work agonizing and pleading. They seemed indifferent and careless. They were not resisting the darkness around them. And it shut them in like a thick cloud. In other words, when you don't entreat with God, when you don't plead with Him, then the evil angels will come and the thick darkness will surround you, your entire being, and you don't even know what is going on. And uh, she actually realized that uh, they were surrounded. The angel of God, however... While they were willing to help those praying, those who were not praying had no help. So she said, the angels of God left these, the careless ones, and went to the aid of the earnest praying ones. Amen? They went to the help of those praying ones. And so this afternoon, I want to encourage you to be prayerful. I have such a short time. I'm going to try to, to summarize. But as again, as I said, you guys, you can have the book if you want. Maybe after this, I can go to maybe outside there. You can find the book if you want to have uh, it uh, with you or take it to a friend. But let me tell you, uh, our personal experience in Rwanda, actually, you know, I used to believe in prayer, and I prayed indeed, and I, I had time to pray as a young boy. I told you one thing I was praying for is that I wanted to be another Paul, but I prayed, and, and, and there was one other thing. I remember taking a Bible course uh, uh, online, no, 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 distance learning, Bible distance learning program, it was from Germany, and I finished the entire program, and I got a certificate, and uh, it wasn't from the Adventist church, but I was reading, they were talking about the Bible, and I was reading about Elijah, and I felt like I want to be another Elijah, I said, Lord, help me, I want to be like Elijah, now, sometimes you have to be careful, okay, I've always said this. Now, being careful doesn't mean you don't do that. But what you pray for when you are sincere and honest, God is going to answer. Amen? I will probably share that experience with you. But let me tell you, my experience in Rwanda proved to me that when you pray, God answers prayer. And he is the God such. And the Bible says so. You pray. Amen? It shall be given to you. Now, uh, let me tell you, my, my experience was right when I stopped in the morning. I was in a place where my friend came and he said, let's try to run away to another province. And I said, how can I run? I have this ID. And it is a Tutsi ID. And the man said, no, why don't you tear it? Destroy it. You don't have to have it because it betrays you. But I told him, no, I've got to be faithful to God because this ID, if I destroy it, I will be tempted to lie. That means if I don't have it, they will say, who are you? Are you Tutsi? Are you Hutu? I will say I'm definitely a Hutu, but I don't want to lie. Not because it's actually, it, it, it does anything wrong to these people, but I have to be myself and, tell, and be truthful even unto death. And I was not ready to change any of my principles. And so I said, I'm not going to lie. And he said, if you have that faith, let's go. And so we prayed together. And after praying, now Vincent was such a wonderful man. He was such a kind guy. Knowing that the danger was ahead, we started our journey. And as we walked 
Now, across the road, we saw so many dead people. So many people were lying in the street. And some were being put aside. And those who, who were slaughtered, they put them on the side of the road. And when Vincent saw this, he was scared. He came back to me. I didn't know what. I was holding this, and I had a big radio. You know, these big radios, you may, you cassette. Radio, uh, you know, this radio which has two, two speakers each side and two... Yeah, you, you remember old time. These days we don't have those. And so I had this one and I put it in a big bag and I it was covering. Now, it wasn't really because I liked the radio, but uh, even though I liked it, it was good. But I was trying to cover my face so that they don't even try to study my face and discover who I am. And so as I tried to run, as I tried to run, uh, Vincent realized that I was not going to pass the roadblock that was there. He came back to me immediately, and I had my ID in hands, and he got it, and then he put the ID just back to back to his ID. And so when he arrived, he reached the roadblock, he actually showed his ID. They said, where is your ID? He showed, and it was Hutu, so there was no problem. Then I reached the same roadblock, but I didn't have any ID. Vincent had tried to protect me. I didn't know what was going on. And then he said, where is your ID? I said, oh, that man has it. And when I pointed to Vincent, he came back. Now, he didn't show my ID because it was back to back. He showed the same ID, his ID. But remember, it was written Hutu, so they said, okay, go. In other words, he managed to save my life through lying. But I don't believe he's the one. It was God who saved my life, amen? Because God showed me, say, no, you will think that it is Vincent who is protecting your life. It is me. Right after, one of my friends, the Tutsi who had torn his ID, when they asked him his ID, he had no ID. They said, no, you must be a Tutsi. They put him aside to be killed. Vincent who was such a wonderful person. He gave me my ID, and he decided to stay with the one in danger. And he was ready to help as much as he could. But there was no, it was not easy. And so I moved along with the other friends. And as I moved, it was not easy. Because ahead of me, they were killing. And there was no way I could keep standing there waiting for Vincent to continue to help me. Because if I waited for Vincent, I was attracting the attention of the killers I have passed. And if I moved ahead, I could see killings. So there was no way. And I resolved to pray, amen? I said, Lord, there's nowhere to go. Into your hands I commit my life. And after I, say, I said that prayer, I decided to go. I told the other fellow, Vincent and the other man stays behind, stay behind, and I decided to move ahead. Now I took my ID in hand and I moved. Now I was going to face the killers with my ID without Vincent. But Jesus was there. And so I made a few steps. And just... Like a hundred meters ahead, there was a roadblock. It was a terrible one. And they were stopping people, killing. And then when they saw me, I prayed. I decided to pray. I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, these are killers. You close their eyes. Now, I didn't want them to read my ID when I reached. So I asked God to close their eyes. And so I reached the roadblock, expecting that somebody is going to ask for the ID. No one. They are just busy. And I managed to pass. I said, praise God. And then there was another fellow, like 100 meters. He was on an electrical pole with a long knife. He was right there waiting for people to kill. And when I approached him, I said, in the name of Jesus, close his eyes. 
guess what? Right after he said, close his eyes, the guy took my ID, but he was shaken. I said, close his eyes in the name of Jesus. Instead of looking into the, the ID, he look, he's looking into my eyes. And then he said, hey, are you not our enemy? I said, no. Are you not fighting us? I said, no. You get your ID. And I left. I didn't know what happened. And ahead of me, there was a roadblock. It was like a chaos. A lot of confusion because everybody was checking. There were so many passing. And they were checking the IDs for everyone. And then I came across that same road. I said, in the name of Jesus, close their eyes. As soon as I said that, now I passed the first person. He was busy with, some, busy with somebody else checking the ID. And then I passed the other one. He's busy with somebody else. And I passed. And I'm saying, close his eyes in the name of Jesus. Close his eyes, and I'm going through the, the mob. Until I cross, no one even looks at my ID. God had closed their eyes. Then I came across another one. This was a terrible one. And I was determined to say the same prayer. But God was saying, no, for Didas, you might probably think it is because they are not seeing. Even when they see, as long as I'm God, I can still protect your life. Then I came across this roadblock. Then I said the same prayer. I said, in the name of Jesus, close their eyes. But the very first boy who reached out my ID, I said, when he was about to read, I said, close his eyes in the name of Jesus. And then he reads. But to my amazement, he didn't shout, calling the killers who were busy killing. He looks at the ID and he said, are you Tutsi? I said, yes. He said, disappear from here quickly. Now, he I said, no, this must be something else. Imagine, he reads my ID. They are in the business of killing. Instead of killing me, he says, quick, you leave this place. And then I left. But it wasn't easy because right after a few meters, he called me back. He said, hey, you come back here. I said, no. When he called, I said, now it's done. I said, Lord, do something about this. But the man was determined. He thought I was going to die ahead because roadblocks were so many. Now, there was another car approaching. It was a truck full of killers. And, you know, well, he was going to do me a favor, but I was in a favor because he wanted to give me a ride in the car full of killers. And so he stopped, he stopped the, the, the truck. He said, hey, you take this boy. And then they looked at me and they said, no, you are fighting yourselves. They sensed I was a Tutsi. You are fighting yourself. And he said, no, if you don't take him, if you don't give him a ride, you're not going to leave this place. It was a roadblock, right? And so by the time they were trying to argue, he picked, he grabbed me with my radio, he threw me into the truck, and I was now with the, among the killers with their knives, full of blood. They were coming from a place called Gikondo to kill people. And I was now with them, and so they, start, they started the car, and we were moving. Now imagine I have a ride among the killers, but I'm just facing, I don't want to look at, into the eyes of anyone as not to attract any attention. And I was praying, and I realized when we moved ahead that God had worked it out for me to pass. There was a terrible roadblock. So many people lying on the road, having been killed. And God was so kind. But again, it was not going to take long because after a few meters, the car just left the main road and it went into someone's compound. And when we reached there, the killer called and he said, Hey, he said, you guys, you come, we are going to kill in another province. I'm going to give you guns, all of you. You get your guns. 
And I said, no, this guy, now imagine I'm among them with my two friends. Remember, Vincent and the other fellow had left behind, and so they are going to give us guns as well to go. And I said, Lord, protect our lives. This is not... Now, we do, they didn't know who we are, even though they sensed, but somehow they confused. And all of a sudden, he looks at us, he says, oh, these are the strangers out of my compound. And so we left. Now, we left by God's grace. And, but it was, that was the beginning of atrocities. Because we were coming to the main road, where we, all people are being killed. Everybody's trying to escape, and you're trying to escape. If you have an ID, a Hutu, you pass. If you don't have, they kill you. And when we reached the highway, it was a terrible situation. I looked ahead. They were killing people. I looked back where we had passed. I saw a lot of dead people on the road. I said, Lord, what am I going to do? And I simply didn't know. My friends, even though they were Hutus, everyone was scared. You know, it is a terrible thing to see somebody dying, but even a rat, I mean, even if you see an insect or an animal dying, it's something you can't easily see, isn't it? Now imagine seeing somebody being slaughtered. My friends were terrified. They didn't know whether to move forward or to go back. And to me, most of them, they were worried about me. They said, how can you continue with this man? And guess what happened? Just in a, short, in a little while, in a little while, I saw actually Vincent, when we did not know what to do, I saw Vincent and the other fr uh, friend coming. And they were just very scared. And when they approached us, we were like, we were very excited, of course, with fear. And when I saw them, they said, no, are you still alive? I said, yes. So how can you be alive? We saw your body. We saw you. They thought they saw me. Because, but, but there was no way you could examine. You could, if you saw somebody dead, you don't see. You just see, but you continue. Because if you are watching and killers are there, then they, you are suspicious. They will suspect you. And so they say, we saw your body. You were lying. We thought you were dead. I said, no, I'm alive. God is great. Amen. And they didn't know. And then we prayed again. Amen. And after praying, now we decided to move. But moving where? Ahead of us, there was this roadblock, uh, this roundabout. We were coming from this direction. And uh, this is a roundabout. You can see the cars turning around. And right here, there were so many killers right here, stopping everyone who tried to move. And they were killing. And we were supposed to come from there and then come down here. But we were stopped here. So they checked the IDs. And since I didn't have an ID, I mean, I had a Tutsi ID. I said the same prayer. I thought God was going to close the eyes again, but this had ended a long, long time before. God was saying, no, I'm going to show you that no matter what happens, I am still God, amen, and I will protect your life. So when I saw these killers, I said the same prayer. I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, close their eyes. But guess what? This was not working. The first person who got it, he, didn't even, he wasn't even kind as the other one. No, God was saying, even if they are bad, I'm going to show you I'm God. And the guy shouted. When he read, he said, we found a Tutsi. We found a Tutsi. And all killers came running to me with their knives. And they looked at the eye and they said, yeah, here is one. And they said, they showed, they said, now there were people that lying here who had been killed. There was somebody freshly lying right here. The, the God, he wasn't as beautiful as this. Uh, but 
Now there was somebody who was freshly killed. Then they said, they said, do you see that tooth there? Who is lying there? I said, yes. You go and lie beside him. We will come and kill you. So with my radio in hand, I moved. I went towards the, the, the dead person, but I didn't lie down. I stood there and I prayed. I was praying. Amen. Now this was a terrible situation. My friend Vincent tried to intervene. He had a little man with him. He tried to corrupt them. He said, why don't you let him go? And I saw him being chased away with knives. They say, he is an accomplice. They were going to kill him. He disappeared. Now, this is a very uh, a steep. It is very steep. So he went down the road. I couldn't see him. I was left by myself, but I was with Jesus. Amen. And so standing beside the dead, somebody's right here. He had been just cut. And I'm standing beside him and I'm praying. Meanwhile, killers, God had made it a way that they are forgetting. They don't even remember I'm there. They are busy stopping others and killing. And I'm standing just beside the dead. They are there and I'm forgotten. But that was, God was giving me a time to pray. Amen. And so I prayed and prayed. I said, Lord, you want you do something in this, in this situation? And I'm waiting for the killer to come. And uh, all of a sudden, after like 10 minutes, one of the killers turned and saw me standing. And he said, hey, guess what? That man is still there. We have not killed him yet. And then another fellow says, oh, he's still alive. Let me go and finish him. And I saw him coming running. And when he came, I said a prayer. I said, stop him in Jesus' name. As soon as I closed my eyes to open them, guess what? I saw the killer taking the opposite direction. He was going the opposite direction. Not, ten, not two, three minutes. Right at that second, I said, stop him in Jesus' name. As he was coming, running, I don't know what happened. But he was going the opposite direction. And I kept praying. Then I was forgotten again. The second time, the killer turned and saw me. And he said, what are we doing? That boy is still there. We have not killed him yet. And another one said, no, okay, let me go and finish him. And he came running. And I said, stop him in the name of Jesus. Just that, as soon as I finished, to open my eyes, the guy was going the opposite direction. And I kept praying. I thank God. Then the third time, literally the third time, I said, I saw another one, they were busy killing after like 10 minutes. He turns back and he's... What is going on? We have not killed that boy. He's still there. And then he said, I was a distance. And he said, okay, let me go and kill him myself. And he came running. And as he, I said, stop him in the name of Jesus. As soon as I said that prayer, the guy was going the opposite direction. We have such a wonderful God. I kept praying. Then I was forgotten. They thought I was dead. Even the guy who said, let me go and kill, no one was talking about it. Then the fourth time, somebody saw me again. He said, what is going on there? Is he still alive? And he said, let me go and kill him. He came running, and I said the same prayer, but that was not going to work. It looks like God was saying, no, you will think that it is because they have not come. Even when they come, as long as I am God, I can still protect your life. And I said the same prayer when he came running. I said, stop him in the name of Jesus. But the guy was coming. When I saw him coming again, I said, in the name of Jesus, 
stop him right as I opened my eyes to see this time along he was right in front of me but just looking into my eyes he wasn't killing me with his knife he's just looking at me and he says by the way what kind of person are you and I said I'm a man of God he said if you are a man of God let me go and ask your ID so that you can go he went back towards the killers what answer did he get he went to the killers and when he reached them I saw him trying to bargain with them, trying to ask for my ID to come and give it to me, which wasn't even good for me after all, because that ID wasn't a good thing. But he went, he was trying to ask for my ID to let, let me go. Uh, and uh, then they refused. He came back immediately, said, hey, you know what? They can't let your ID. Just imagine the situation. There is something you don't see, or I probably don't see it myself. But imagine, this is an idea which the killer knows it is betraying me. But he's going to ask for my ID to give it to me so that I can go. Why is it happening? I mean, it simply means that God was going to prove to me that I am still God. Amen? For the sake of you this afternoon, for the sake of anyone who will listen, it is God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to prove to you, if you are faithful unto me, if you just trust in me, I will prove to you that I am God. Amen? Because he comes back and says, no, they can't give you the ID, so I'm sorry. Do you have money to bribe them? I said, I don't have money. I have this radio. And then one, he said, no, this radio, they can't take it because they have looted. They have a lot of things from these houses, the Tutsis they killed. And after all, we know we will run away when the wall intensifies. How can we run with, red, with radios? And so what happened is there was no solution. And I kept praying and I prayed. Immediately there was a fellow, somebody, the chief killer, he was sitting here because I saw him talking to others. He was sitting when others were busy killing and I saw the chief killer, he called and he said, tell that boy to come to me. Now, they said, you go to that man. He, he, obviously, he, he, he probably saw what was happening, and he was wondering why they are not killing me. So he's calling me towards him. And so I went with my radio, but he was at a distance. I didn't want to go closer to him because I was scared. I kept praying. I stopped. He was busy talking with somebody. And as I prayed, all of a sudden, as I was praying, the, I felt a hand touching me. The other guy who was trying to bargain for my ID came back and he touched me. And as I turned to see him, he said, did you say you are a man of God? I said, yes. If you are a man of God, why don't you go and claim your ID and leave? <laughs> and then I said, no. It's unusual. This must be an angel from God. How can he know that if I'm a man of God, I have such authority that I can go and claim my ID and go? And I said, in the name of Jesus, I'm going. And I turned. And I walked. After like four steps towards the killers, leaving the other guy behind me, the guy who was busy talking to the killer, the chief killer, he shouted, he said, give him his ID and let him go. He had not even known what was going on with the other killer who just came from here and touched me and he said, you said you are a man of God? I said, if you are a man of God, why don't you go and claim your ID and leave? He did not hear anything. And he shouts, he said, give him his ID and let him go. He had an amazing God. And I moved forward. And the killer saw me. 
and the one who was holding the ID handed it to me. And he said, what did you give him? I said, I didn't give him anything. He said, nothing? He said, it's amazing. He said, you go. And I left. Now my friends were down the road. We were right there. They were weeping because they knew I was dead. There was no other way. They thought I was dead. And they were terrified. And they didn't want to go forward. They were scared. And when I, they saw me coming down, they were excited. They said, are you alive? And they saw me with my ID again in the hand. And Vincent was terrified. He said, you still have that ID. After he said, you still have that ID? I said, yes. So why don't you tear it? I said, Vincent, I'm not alive now because I tried to hide who I am. If God wants me to live, I will certainly live. And he said, if you have that faith, let's pray and continue. Amen? <laughs> Again, the second time. And so we prayed. It was a great time. And after we prayed, we were now convinced that God was with us. And we moved. But there was no way to move. Because killings were, this was the most terrible time and the most terrible place. In fact, I saw people, die, I mean, people were dying. And I saw young people who were desperately just discouraged. There was no way they could continue because you look ahead, people are dying. You don't want to go back because there's another roadblock. If you keep standing there, you are attracting the attention of the killers. They will see you and wonder, why, why are you scared? If you are scared, that means you must be a Tutsi or a sympathizer of Tutsis. And so, Vincent, we held each other. We, after we prayed, we said, let's move forward. And I remember seeing one man, he was, you know, desperate. And let me tell you, if you have Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior, if you trust in him, hold on, amen. You are not mistaken. There is a difference. Those who trust in the Lord, you've got to hold on. Because when I saw this boy, he was desperately discouraged. I saw him. I said, why don't we go? Let's pray and go. He said, See, you know what? If I have never prayed in my life, do you think I will pray today and God will listen? He had no courage to move. I tried to entreat, I tried to convince him that God can answer his prayer, but he said, no, I've never prayed. And I don't think I can pray now. And God will hear me. I don't know what happened to him because thousands of were being killed. But what happened? We moved. And as we moved, we continued our way. We were now four of us. Actually, the young boy had remained and we were four of us, or maybe five. And I remember one of my friends was when he, we saw a lot of dead people, women, children, they were piled on the, the road. One of my friends, uh, Celestine, when he saw the dead people, he looked at them, and he was Hutu, by the way, but he stumbled and because he was scared. And killers who were watching, they saw him. They said, ah, you, you come here. You must be a Tutsi. And so he was held there, and we moved forward. But as we moved forward ahead of me, it was a terrible. We reached a roadblock. And this roadblock was the most terrible one. Probably the most terrible of all. Because there was a truck. There was a man. He was half naked. He had an axe. And on the other side, on the other side of the axe, it was a hammer. Very sharp axe. He was striking using the axe or the hammer, whatever he wanted. Alternatively. 
And so uh, now the road had been blocked. Imagine you've got the militiamen, they have blocked the way. So if you are coming, they are not even checking your ID. They just grab you by the collar of your shirt. And there is this uh, militiaman who is sitting there and he's in the business of slaughtering people. And they grab you and then they take you there. And then someone else, they grab him. And so we were queuing. We were actually lining up, going towards the killer. He's striding, striking one after another. And he was, I saw so many people, young men and men, and their heads were not, they, they just half broken. They break your heart. Even if you are not dead, they just broke your, your head and they left you there. And the inmates, the prisoners, had been released. They were packing into this truck. And the truck were full of dead people. And they were going to throw them into the big river called Nyabarongo, going to Victoria, and then to River Nile. And, and many bodies reached actually that far. And so, because thousands were being thrown there. And so the guy was there full of blood. He's, you know, he strikes people. Now, I was like number three in the list. Now, the guy is grabbing me by the shirt. And he's directing me towards the, 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 the killer. And when I saw him, I'm holding my ID, but he doesn't have a time to check. This is the judge who is sitting there. He's going to decide whether to kill you or to let you. And when I made some, I was like number three, when I saw him striking people, I changed the prayer. I said, Lord, this man has no mercy. If he gets angry, get angry on my behalf. As soon as I said that, immediately I felt another hand pulling me back, grabbing the back of the collar. Now remember, there's a guy, he's pulling. And then I say, if he gets angry, Get angry on my behalf. As soon as I say that prayer, then the hand pulls and then I turn. Now, uh, in my book, it is the, the chapter is held between an angel and a demon. Because one is pulling me to us and the other one pulls me back. And I turn and say, he says, where are you going? I say, I'm going to show the ID to that man. And he says, no, don't you go there. You go back. Now the other guy says, no, let him go and show the ID. The one behind said, no, let him go back. Let him go. Let him go back. Let him go. Now they are about to fight. And then the one behind tells him, he said, now listen, after all, he will still come this way. There is a truck, there is a, a car behind here which is going to give him a ride to another province. Let him go and get the ride. After all, this is the only road. He will still come back this way. And he managed to convince him. Meanwhile, others were passing me. They are being killed. And I went back. We have such a wonderful God. That is not coincidence. No, there is a God who answers prayers. You know, as soon as I reached, I went behind. It was not the end because right after I reached, there was exactly a car, but that was in the usual. It was actually a truck. I tried to go into under the Lord because they had a lot of baggages. They were sitting on them. I went under the baggage. I was trying to hide myself. But from time to time, every two minutes, they took me out of the bag and they were actually to kill me. And then I went, 
I remember I, I was into, I sat down the baggages and then the killer asked everyone to come out because they were looking for tutsis to kill. And then I remained there hidden and they say, if you find somebody in these baggages, we'll kill him. And when he came, I just came out and then jumped. But I tried to go behind the crowd so that I wouldn't be identified. But there was no way. They kept identifying. God, I'm still holding my ID. God was protecting me. And until they said, no, you can't cross that river. And the river, through prayer, I prayed and I managed to cross by God's grace. Even though they were waiting, everyone who passed by, they threw him. I'm trying to catch up with time. They threw him into the river, dead or alive. I managed to cross. And the other side of the river, I sang the song of Moses. Amen? Because it was peaceful. They had not started killing yet. It, it was another province. My friends and I we were singing. We were all Adventists. And we prayed the Lord. Amen? And we were singing. And then the car parked somewhere. And as the car parked, now we relaxed a little bit. Interestingly, in the same car, or maybe a different car, but we found that boy. The guy who had been wounded trying to climb the fence to come and kill us, he was there. And he was wearing now the skirt because he couldn't wear the trousers because, he, you know, the, the wounds everywhere. And he was also uh, uh, wearing my shoes, which they had looted. And so my friends came to me and they said, no, Fodidas, you know what? The guy who came to kill us is there. And they said, no, it's our time to revenge. I said, when I went to him, now, first of all, we said, no, can you give me my shoes? He said, no. Then he looked at us. Now, he was not converted. Imagine, he's desperate. But he looks at us and he says, he said, you know what? Guess what? Out of everything I looted in Kigali, there is nothing else I have except these shoes and the wounds all over my body. And I, having heard that, I said, listen, my friends were ready to jump on him and say, no, you give us our shoes and, and revenge. I said, no, listen, the God who protected our lives will provide. Forget about anything. Let him go. And I said, please, he's desperately in need. He probably needs our help. Forget about it. And so we prayed, and that was actually the beginning. I believe there's no time anymore, but I want to tell you, I will continue with the rest of the, my story tomorrow, but I want to tell you as I end right now that we have a God who answers prayers. Ellen G. White says that we release the hand of God too early. By the time we start praying and God is ready to answer our prayers, we are nowhere to be seen. We have gone already because we don't actually pray earnestly. Jesus told his disciples when they tried to cast out the demons and uh, then they said, no, we tried to cast out this demon, it didn't work. And Jesus said, no, that kind of demon cannot go unless you only through fasting and prayer. And let me tell you, Today, the church we belong to, we have actually come to, not, not everyone, there are those of us who pray, but allow me to tell you, some of us have thought that it is no longer important to pray, because things will just happen as they are. No, there is a God who is in charge, and if it is his glory, if it is his will, he will certainly answer. And I need, I, I want to encourage you this afternoon that we should hold the hand of God tightly. We should hold unto him. We should be prayerful people. You know what? What we need the most today is prayer. We need to pray because we have a God who is in business. He has never changed. 
God who answered Daniel, who answered Shadrach, he can still answer your prayer even today. But as I encourage you to pray, it is not about our selfishness. It is for his glory. But if it is needed, even your own problem, he can still provide. Amen? Even your own disease, he can still heal. If it doesn't happen, it is not because God is not able. By the way, if he doesn't do it, as long as you have prayed, he will live with you. All kinds of evidences that it is not God's will. And if you die, you will die peacefully. Amen? Or if anything happens to you, you will cease to see it as a problem anymore. Because you will be convinced that the God of heaven is with you. And if he wills, he will do anything you ask for. Right? And if he doesn't, it is because it cannot glorify his name. This afternoon, I want to assure you once again that the God we've believed in is the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, Isaac. He is still the same today. If you believe in him, hold on. Hold on. His promises never fail. May God bless you. May God you give you this trust and faith in him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.